Blog Talk Radio. Journey on 
Sunday mornings in the Word now um, teaching the concept on Rethink Church. Let's pray and not delay, knowing that God is going to have his way. Amen. It's a good day. Get your notebooks out. We came on at a new time today, and I um, actually really want to change to this time. So, um, um, So it'll be such a blessing to be able to share the word of God with you systematically. Let's pray. We're on a continual study, and I would encourage you also, before I start, to go back and listen to the last five lessons on the on the message. We had three introductory teachings. Then yes, um, last week we got into part one, and then we had the closing message of the year that also is a supplement to this teaching as well. So I want you to uh, really pay attention to the flow. It's, it's not something that you're going to be able to just jump and get from one lesson. It's a continual listening because I'm building on a bigger web of understanding, and I'm not um, going shallow with this uh, teaching. This is a very much so in-depth teaching, um, and I think we're going to uh, really be able to um, expand our understanding a little deeper today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean in the print of that Holy Spirit that gives me um, guidance, Father, and gives me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We are on the first division of this teaching um, entitled Rethink Church, and we're reforming perception to power. We are reforming perception to power. Meaning that we're reviewing our perception as we, as we, as we find out exactly why we're doing what we're doing. It is the review of perception that awakens the pathway to the promise that we're, we're that we're going after, and of course the promise comes as a result of us rethinking church, rethinking church. And many times because of religion, because of ritual, because of rhetoric. We have a concept of church that may not be correct. And so it is in the review of our perception in the the lens of Scripture that we become empowered to be the church. So what we've done is systematically give explanation to reasons as to why we are the church so that way we can, in efforts, empower that through that revelation. Because revelation... um, as we said in last week, becomes the catalyst as to experiencing the full effect of what it means to be the church. And so we we started out in in Matthew 16, dealing with the dialogue which Peter and Jesus had amongst the disciples. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I am you. Um, the response from Peter 
is you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said flesh and blood hadn't revealed it to you, but by my Father. And upon that rock, what is the rock? The rock was the revelation which he received from the Father. He would build the church, and the church has been built on the rock of revelation. So revelation is powerful. In Acts chapter 2, verses 47, it says that the church was added daily, as such should we say. It was the revelation of the church back in Matthew, that event, um, the, the event during walking with Jesus and Jesus questioning, saying, what do you think about me? No, what do you think other people think about me? What do you think about me? And, and based on what you think is what will be. You get what I'm saying? That's what he said. Rethink church. It was the message of the ages. And in Acts 2.47, we see that when the church was actually revealed, it was revealed in a state of power. For the kingdom of God is not a word, but in power. And so it is this revelation of the church that we're going after because apparently we know if we look at society, we um, – we can see that the church is under attack. The church is under attack. In, in um, Matthew 7, we, re, we, re, we, we reviewed the, um, the core components to the intent behind the church. And in Colossians 1, we fortified that. And we, we, we talked about the measures, the measures of, of the gift of Christ and the measure of faith. And um, how they are intertwined with each other that, that there are initial resolves When the revelation of the church is revealed We awaken to the power of, of the gospel We acknowledge the lordship of Christ And we advance to the work of the kingdom And so those ultimately are objectives As, as, um, as the body of Christ <clears throat> But I tell you friends This this revelation has to be empowered as the generations grow and, and age and advance. It has to be empowered. We went to Ephesians chapter 3 in the last lesson as revelation as a catalyst because we understand that revelation is what must be awakened. It must be acknowledged and it must be advanced. When we when we when we acknowledge and awaken and advance it, it is what will serve as a spark to achieving what we know should be occurring in in the life of church. So we're not talking about the four walls. We're talking about the conviction. Amen. Now, that brings us to today's lesson. We have to capitalize off of the catalyst of what we will create as the motivation to become once the revelation of the church is revealed. What do I mean by that? I found one scripture that I knew would be the perfect scripture for this particular lesson, and that's Romans chapter 5. You can park there, Romans chapter 5, because we gave the five points that revelation becomes the catalyst 
of experiencing the full effect of what it means to be the church. Redemption was the route in which the church was released to the power needed to exist as the church. And remembering what Christ taught is the route in which the gospel can be proclaimed to reveal the uh, kingdom. And then we also said that that renewing the mind will awaken the reality to existing in the Christ factor. And, of course, through those reviews, priorities will be the reform, but will be what will reform what the church will return to, which is the seat of power. And so in this lesson, we are going line upon line and precept upon precept upon those points, validating them with scripture, validating them with content that will clearly give us motivation to reform our perception to power. So the overall lesson is reforming your perception to power. Our part one was uh, revelation as a catalyst, and our part two today is release to the power to be, the redemptive road revealed. Now, I want to read the scripture in the middle of the lesson. It is revelation knowledge that makes us aware of our need to get the most out of our experience, awaken to the there being much more realistic in the routine religion uh, uh, routine religious factors that we often achieve. It is not about going to church from Sunday to Sunday, just being committed. You are the church. Your body is the temple of the living God. And you have to honor God with your body, meaning that the perception that you have is vital to you being identified as the church. It says, I no longer live it, but it's Christ that lives in me. And that's the, that's, that those, those factors awaken through this, through this point here. It will be the reflective questions which will spark the interest to consider how powerful you really want to be. Because what I've also learned in life and dealing with Christians is that a lot of times we just really don't want to be the church. You know, especially with people that are struggling with uh, with wanting to be the church, you find they got to create a, a motivation. They overly create things to to exist as what they should be and who they really are. Why is that? Because they they really haven't reviewed. They haven't had no questions, reflective questions. So yeah, we capitalizing off of the revel- we capitalizing off of revelation, but revelation will require a huge level of honesty. Do I really want to be the church? Is that what I set out to be? That's a powerful question. I remember when I was going through some conflicts and things that took place in church, and if people are always your influence, somebody convinced you to go to church one Sunday, then somebody, all of those are manipulative ploys that distract you from what you really should be. And that's never how we see the scripture portrays anyone that took advantage and really did something for God in the church. They never took a passive approach to to approaching God. They had reflective questions that undergirded their their whole persona, pattern, position, and process. And it's not until you find those reflective questions that you really are going to really grow in God. Why are you doing what you're doing? You know, because there are things that happen when those reflective questions are avoided. I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. 
But this, this, is, this is what rethinking church is all about. Who do men say that I am? It, was, it started with a question. You know, I, I talk about um, a concept that I've been writing on for years, and now I'm beginning to organize it and fashion it into little books and things, and that is uh, lifestyle evangelism. You know, I, we don't want the Jehovah Witness approach to it, where you go in to a place and they tell you what to say and tell you tactics of how to manipulate someone to a process of belief. And manipulative belief is exactly what it is. At the core of it is is the manipulation. And unfortunately, we have adapted some of the approaches. Mm, oh, my goodness, I sense the weight of what I'm saying here, y'all. I'm, I'm not catering to the flesh when I'm ministering this concept. I'm, uh, I'm really, really provoking uh, your hearts to take a real insight on why you are in church, why you have this 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 thing about church that you you are becoming so dedicated to or or you how you're really building upon what captured you to be the church now you're looking at you're listening to someone rather who has been in the church the majority of his life to where I can hardly recall a time of not having the conviction of the church in my heart. So if anybody's preaching on reflection, and I know those points that we have in life as believers, where we have to, we we are required to review. You know that can't be put put on paper. That can't be uh, distorted on paper. You know that can't be systemized and you know, sanitize and <laughs> strategize, <laughs> you know, that, that, this, this, is not, this is not this scriptorium of, of, good, uh, of good speech ethics and protocol. What I'm, what I'm saying is, are these reflective questions sparking you to take interest on, on what you consider you really want to be? And it's, it's unfortunate when the modes and the methods and the core questions that that serve as the motivation as to pursuing things of God and pursuing the principles of God are not answered. Mm. When that is manipulated and that, when that is not truly uh, taking place, this is why you see people that are hypocritical and, and often and often denying the very thing they say they hold dear and precious. We got more to cover, but I, I, I can I can just base the whole teaching off of off of those points alone. But of course that's that's not my point. So that's uh that would be a time waste, amen. Um I love the story of redemption. The story of redemption is um, a story. Don't ever let nobody tell you that. There was there was there was one act. Glory to God! I just sense the anointing on this thing. I'm trying to keep myself calm. Woo! Oh, Lena, pray, Lena, pray. That's my wife, y'all. I'm just praying. But glory, I sense the anointing in this thing. Science to review when you're being when when the uh, when being the church is needed. You need the review. 
Reflective questions are going to be the key. Revelation always produces reflective questions. And if questions don't come out of a revelation, it is not a revelation. It might be a conversation. It might be a deliberation, something, a thought in the mind, but it's not a revelation. Revelation will always spark questions that require resolves. Mm, glory to God. Anyway, I I could go on, but we got to go. We got 20 minutes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, spiritual spiritual signs. They're, they're, all of these signs are spiritual, but they're 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 necessary, and they're not they're not necessarily positive. I'm sorry to say that, but um, there are some things that let you know that that your review for church is needed because we want to reform perception to power. The kingdom of God is not in word and power. It was it was never expected. And remember I told you until power must be experienced. There's nothing like a surge. You get what I'm saying? Nobody has to convince you just like, ooh, anyway. Glory to God. Let's go. I got I got these I got this outline, I gotta finish. The first sign is spiritual drought. The state where you can't connect to the re- relevance of scripture. So one of the the one of the reasons why you find it uh, you're going through a lot of things when it comes to reflective questions. There's really no connection to the word. Everything relating to God is honored by his word. And until there's a reliance upon the word of God and, and the reliance is through the eye of relevance, it will never take place. Then spiritual depression. Spiritual depression is untapped ability to spiritual identity. It's an untapped, it's a state of, of of untapped ability through spiritual identity. You don't know who you are. Um, and, and even though it may not be emotionally depression, when it comes to spiritually, you can't even connect. You can't even get to You don't know what you have and what you can do. And often you don't know what you can do because in the, in the, life, in the life of the believer, it's really it's unbelievable, meaning that you don't believe. And I'm not using unbelievable in a positive way. I'm saying you don't believe anything. <laughs> You know, uh, you can't tap into power, so you don't pray. So when a situation comes, you stress, you don't pray. That's what I mean by spiritual depression. It's a state where you don't rely on the Spirit of God to sustain you. That's spiritual depression. Number three is spiritual um, spiritual dependency. And this is in the negative connotation, a state where you can't stand spiritually alone. You always got to seek validation and confirmation. You're too dependent on other people to define your state of spirituality. You need a pastor. You need a prophet. You need a friend. You need a boo. You need somebody else to confirm what God has said to you. You got to be like Paul in certain circumstances. When when God gives you something, you confirm not with the flesh. Do you get what I'm saying? And then and, and these are keys as to why. A lot of people are having challenges in life and in the church. And then other, other ones is spiritual dissatisfaction. Everything becomes a conflict other than your spiritual state. You have a, and often this is with people. You have a problem with people. You have a problem with, with, with the way something was done. You have a problem with this. And, and at the core of it, the problem is you, your relationship with the Lord has not been developed to where those conflicts can't sway that fellowship and that communion in the secret place. They that dwell in the secret place of the Most High. See, your real place of power, your real seat of power is discovered in secret. See, those who 
visit God in secret, he rewards openly. So we have to, we really have to keep our state, our spiritual state secret. That's an old other lesson. But that's that's that spiritual dissatisfaction, spiritual depression, spiritual drought, spiritual dependency, and then there's spiritual dysfunction. There is no function in the spirit. You don't know what it means to be spirit led, spirit governed, spirit fed, uh, spiritually sensitive, and 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 the Bible says the natural man cannot receive the things of God, neither can he know them. Why? So the the way you cut off a a person from from receiving the power to be is by deceiving, and deception is of the devil. It's a it's a it's a reverse to reception. Okay, so the signs that the the revelation is is of the church, or the signs the church is not a revelation to you. you in a nutshell, you have no passion. You have no passion in faith, you have no passion to pray, and you have no passion to live godly. That don't sound too good at all, but it's a resolve. Now, how do we change this? We change this by rediscovering redemption, the redemptive story. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, and let's read. And then I'll give as much commentary as I can in our closing thoughts. And uh, I started at verse 6. For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love toward us, and that yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we, when we, if, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by his by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we shall also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received atonement. Now, there's a lot of words being thrown out in this particular chapter, but if you understand these, these concepts, you will grow, and we're going to go through them in a very rapid pace. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. This is the story I was telling you. For that all have sinned. For unto now the law of sin is in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that is to come. But as but not as one of one not as the offense so is the free gift for if through the offense of one many be dead much more the grace of god the gift the gift by grace which is by one man jesus christ has abounded unto many now i want you to understand from verse 14 to verse 21 it repeats the same principle the principle is because of Adam's transgression, atonement was available, okay? So you got Adam's transgression, you got atonement, and then you you have access to grace by faith through Jesus, okay? So I want y'all to, I, I want y'all to understand that. The gaps and uh, 
Well, well, let me give you the point. Number one, point number one, redemption resolves the gaps of the efforts to meet spiritual requirements to be the church. The spiritual requirements was found based on the Adam's transgression. Nevertheless, death from Adam to Moses, even to them that have not sinned after the similitude or the same pattern, Adam's of Adam's fall, who was a figure of him that was to come. He was a figure of Jesus. Is that Jesus? Jesus was the savior of the church. Adam was supposed to be the savior of the world or the savior of the family, but his transgression prevented him to to reproduce life. He reproduced death, and it came on everybody that came after that passion. Same the same way it dispersed. Death dispersed is the same way the gift, the free gift of grace dispersed through Jesus Christ. And that's what he repents. For if by one man, let's skip down to verse 17. No, let's go to 16. Grace by the one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many, and not as it was by one that sinned, so it is the gift. For the judgment was by the one to condemnation. That's Adam's transgression. And the, and the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. It's the reversal. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by the one, Jesus Christ. So, so we receive justification, we receive atonement, and we receive the right, the right, the right, the right to live godly through grace. Right, so therefore, as by one offense, or as by the offense, one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. See how they're repeating themselves. One, and he understood because of the wording that he was using, <coughs> he had to break it down over and over again. Even so, by the righteousness of one, that free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by the offense, um, by by one man's offense. Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abound, grace did much more abound. That sin, um, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so grace might reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So listen. Verses 14 through 17 repeats that concept of one. It, what, what happens is redemption resolves the gaps of the effort to meet the spiritual requirement to be the church. See, the spiritual requirement to be the church is to live sin-free. Right? That's, that's, the, part, that's the part to live sin-free. Uh, because sin entered the world to produce death, righteousness is 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 given as a gift, and it entered the world through Jesus Christ. So, listen, listen, glory to God. I'm I'm too excited in this lesson, so I apologize for all the third talking and the, you know, the little things. I try to be as systematic as possible, but it's exciting. Redemption has to be seen as a story, one story by two men that had one resolve. And the one resolve was that sin entered in the world through death. Grace entered in the world through righteousness. 
and righteousness has to override sin. So the key to resolve, the resolve to the gaps of man's efforts to meet spiritual requirements was to live sin free. And the only to live, the only way a man can live sin free is by faith. And faith, listen, oh my goodness, faith is the exchange. It is the formula that exchanges man's imperfection to perfection. What do I mean by perfection? State of maturity from immaturity, from transgression to regeneration. It is that it is that it is the place where we resolve the gaps. See what happens when a person gets saved and they come to the place of redemption, redemption resolves the gaps. And it almost seemed like it's impossible when you know what you've done and what you've said and what you've done that would displease God. But God's love then becomes the catalyst that changes it. Grace is the power to, uh, power of God that, to favor you. What does he favor you with? He favors you with his love, his own essence. God is love. That's why he gave Jesus. God gave himself, wrapped himself in flesh, took on the form of a fashion of a man. He humbled himself. That's the act of humility that he gave us. He put himself in the flesh so that we through, through would have one example of a man living sin-free. See, it's the, it's the resolve of gaps. And see, this is why you got to understand, thank God for Jesus. Glory to God. If Jesus is diminished in your eyes and what he did and what he achieved, he achieved the ability to be in the flesh and live sin-free. And if he did it, you can do it. It resolves the gap. In Adam, everybody received death. But in Christ, everybody receives life. And it doesn't come through a means of sustaining. It comes as a gift. So this is not something that we deserve, but it's something undeserved. So it resolves the gaps to live sin-free and to rely on that gift and to and receive the Lord Jesus as as the force as the force of love and it is the force of love that awakens this uh reality amen now in my last notes redemption reviews the reversal process of mankind achieving a righteous status why because we receive justification atonement and we receive grace amen now i'm going to i'm going to cover this a little more next week um, but it is redemption that restores the real reason why we reign in life. So let's go back to verse 17. For by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by one offense, uh, a one judgment came upon all men unto condemnation, even so the so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So we have justification of life based on the sacrifice of Christ. And, and this comes as a result of our ability to get things right. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm out of time. I'm out of content. I trust that whatever you set your hands to do, you will do, because greater is he that's in you than he that's within the world. God bless you. 
and have a wonderful day.